Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored. I hope you're having a great day. A lot to get to today, but real quick, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And don't forget today's episode, it's presented to you by Sugar Fire in Westminster. Amazing barbecue. Got to check them out. Plus, Superbook Sports Colorado. I'll tell you more about Superbook Colorado uh, here in a in, in a quick second. <laughs> I will. So hold your horses, okay? Hold them. Don't want those suckers pooping everywhere. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Anyway, a quick preview of today's show. Things you shouldn't have to tell people uh, who visit or work at a brewery. It's just bizarre. Elon Musk made an offer to Wikipedia, and I made an offer to Elon Musk. The history of of, of women shaving is so bizarre. The breakfast staple that may soon disappear forever. A Utah man was ordered by the city to remove a Halloween display because people are soft. And the mailbag, the mailbag is red hot. We're going to get into that. But real quick, why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, this fall, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the book next door, just a dedicated team of best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And right now, Superbook is going to give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use promo code MILEHIGH. So go ahead and bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's go! Let's go! And now, here are the headlines. (laughs) FYI, if you're visiting a brewery, or maybe you work at one, maybe get a pad and paper and write this down. (laughs) Things you shouldn't do. Well, we're going to go over to China. There's a China-based brewery called, and I'm going to butcher it, and I apologize, Tsingtao Brewery. I believe the T at the beginning is silent like tsunami, right? I don't know. That's, that's what I'm basing my, my, my knowledge on. Anyway, there's a video circulating of a man urinating into a beer tank. Yeah, you heard that right. So next time somebody says, this beer tastes like piss, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Apparently, the man was allegedly confronted by supervisors. And apparently the guy was like, uh, again, I'm uh, alleging this. What? Should I not have done that? This is shocking news to me. I had no idea peeing in a beer tank was frowned upon. This is on you guys, not me. You definitely need to put up a sign. Anyway, I got to go now. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh... (laughs) Apparently, a Chinese-language business publication quoted by the BBC claims neither the person who urinated in the tank nor the person who took the video were direct employees. Hmm, interesting. So they were on site. They're they're workers, but not for the brewery. Tsingtao Brewery released a statement saying that the batch of malt in the tank had been sealed off from use, and that the urination had been reported at the first opportunity. 
Here's what's crazy, though. When you think about this, Singtao Brewery, how long is that going to have a stigma attached to it? You know, this beer tastes like piss jokes. How long is that going to last for that beer? Years. Years, don't you think? I don't know. Japan's a little bit more sophisticated than us Americans, but uh, in some aspects. So uh, maybe that it won't. If I went over there, I'd be like, this is the beer that like that dude peed in. <laughs> and uh, I got to drink it. <laughs> but you know that that, that attachment is going to be there for a long time. It has to. It would be hard not to. This is horrible publicity for that brewery. And I believe their stocks dropped significantly the day, uh, the morning after this video came out, but it eventually came back up. I know nothing about stocks, but it, it is going to affect them financially. And I mean, in, in the, I'm sure they'll be fine. Hopefully they'll be fine. But the individuals that did this, man, <laughs> or the individual, I should say, that did this is, is, is a horrible person. Horrible. First of all, that's a lot of beer that got wasted, okay? It didn't even get to experience true love of rolling down a man or woman's gullet, okay? Didn't. Imagine working at that brewery going forward. Anytime you're hiring a new staff member or just having meetings with existing staff and having to sit down and be like, hey, just a reminder, don't pee in our beer tanks. That's shit you shouldn't have to say. You shouldn't. My goodness. People are gross. <laughs> and if you have any stories of like whether you're an employee or you're a, a boss and you've had to sit there and go, you know what? I shouldn't have to say this, but don't. Let me know. DeHuffPodcast at gmail.com. I had to do one once. I'm not going to tell you what industry it was in because the dude was embarrassed. And I'm not going to tell you all the details. If you see me at Sugar Fire on a Monday night from 6 to 8, I'll fill you in on the rest. Okay? That's the tease. But I'll give you some of the story. The individual was logged in on a computer, and instead of completing a task that should have only taken maybe 10 minutes, he wasn't done after an hour. So I'm like, what the heck is going on, man? And I happened to look over at the computer, one of the computers that he was working on in it was an open email that anybody walking by could have seen, and it was him trying to hook up with somebody. <laughs> and he's having, you know, correspondence with like with this individual. And what I saw on that screen was disgusting. <laughs> Talking about pounding somebody's ass. Okay. Somebody's ass was getting pounded, and it was happening on the clock as far as, you know, setting it up. I was not happy. Was not happy. And when I pulled that person aside and confronted them about the situation, he's like, should I not have done that, Scott? I'm like, no. No, you shouldn't have. 
my God. Again, I'll tell you all the details at Sugar Fire because I don't want to embarrass the individual anymore. And I'm not going to say their name. And I'm not going to tell you what industry I was in because I've been in several. But let's just say I was pissed. I was not very happy. You shouldn't have to say that. Don't be trying to get you, you know your your dong sucked off or whatever or pound somebody in the back end while at work. It's a not a good thing. <laughs> My God. Oh, and just like that, I should nobody should have to say, you know what? Don't pee in beer tanks. Okay. People frown upon that, apparently. <laughs> this beer tastes like urine. Mmm, delicious. Oh man, those those people working at that brewery have to be irate. Be like, why do we have to put up a sign again? Because that dickhead McGee from the other company that was coming by here, I don't know, a maintenance guy, I don't know what it was. They didn't say what the guy's job was. He just didn't actually work there, but he was supposed to be on the premises, it sounds like. You know how that goes. Sometimes there's just people visiting or there's people doing you know, contract work or something. But now we have to put up a sign and say, FYI, don't urinate or defecate. Just, you know, covering our tracks. You never know. Don't spit nothing into the beer tanks. My God, people. My God. And you just wonder, like, when he's confronted about it, uh, was confronted about it, like, what was his, what did he do? He's like, what? Huh? I shouldn't do that or, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I thought that was a giant, you know, urinal. <laughs> I mean, the color, look at the color. It's a golden brown. <laughs> I'm just saying I, it's not that far fetched. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Elon Musk was on X or Twitter. I, I was talking to somebody last night, Declan. Over at Sugarfire, and he's. I said something about Twitter, and he's like, "It's X." Joking around, I was like, "Nobody calls it X. It's Twitter. Forever will be, until he comes up with a good name." Anyway, Elon Musk was on Twitter last night, and he responded to a post that said, "Wikipedia is not for sale," and he says, "I will." This is what Elon Musk said. I will give them a billion dollars if they change their name to Dickopedia. <laughs> and it's kind of going back and forth because Wikipedia is not a good source of information. You can get basic information out of it, but ultimately you can't trust it. You can go onto any page and create an account and just start ad adding stuff to it. it it's moronic it's a, it's a bad website but it's it's out there somebody needs to create a scott the huff or the huff uncensored wikipedia page and just like really embellish it like like you know if they had michelin stars for podcasters he would have 20 <laughs> something stupid like that i don't know isn't there only like three or four Michelin stars you can have? I don't know. But either way, um, I mean, it, it, Wikipedia is a joke. It's funny that he did that. And, 
I mean, that's him, like somebody that's in the public eye, whether you like him or not. Come on, that's funny. But I responded to Elon. Haven't heard back. I haven't. Probably because I don't have one of those stupid check marks next to my name. I noticed that he only responds to those people. I'm I'm the lower class. <laughs> I'm the lower class, and uh, I don't have a blue check mark next to my name, so I'm a peon. Anyway, I responded to Elon saying I will change my name for five million dollars to Dickopedia. <laughs> I will. Now I will keep that name for one year. If somebody wants to pay me $5 million, I will change my name for one year to Dickopedia. I'm waiting. Ball's in your court, Elon. Ball's in your court. <laughs> I can see it happening. I get a contact from Elon. He's like, hi, this is Elon Musk. I'm going to take you up on your offer. And then I got to go explain that to my wife and kids. <laughs> Wait a minute, Dad. Your new name is Dickopedia? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then my wife's like, I fucking hate you, but God damn it, I respect you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she would be so mad. But how could you get mad at that? If somebody if if Elon Musk contacted me and just like, yeah, let's do it. It'd be great publicity for you and me and be let's be honest, it'd be just hilarious. Five five million bucks is like pocket change to him. Right? It's a it, it would be life changing for me. That'd be hilarious. What a great joke. <laughs> then I'd have to temporarily change. Well, no, I'd be Dickopedia Duff. <laughs> the the podcast name could stay the same, right? Right. There you go. Fenella Fox is from UK. And she, apparently she's been in the adult industry since she was about 18 years old. She claims she makes about $9,500 per month through a combination of social media platforms where she has more than a million followers. And part of her shtick is that she doesn't shave and she has uh, a large amount of uh, underarm hair. And she's just like, I'm tired of living by the rules of everybody else that says I need to shave and I need to wear makeup. So in a sense, like I applaud her. And it honestly, there's ladies, there's a lot of uh, of you that like you don't need to wear makeup. I get it. Sometimes if, if it makes you feel better, it makes you feel better. That's fine. Who am I to tell people what to do? Uh, so I, I don't care. A lot, but there's a lot of people out there. It's just like if, if you feel comfortable enough to not wear makeup, don't wear makeup. That's and fuck everybody that judges you. But I, I know that's easier said than done, especially from my perspective. I the only thing that happens to me is if I shave my beard, because lately I've I've had a beard. But one, if I shaved all my facial hair off, I, I am horribly disgusting looking. One, I look like uh I'm tw- 12, but also I have this, what's called a Dehuff turkey neck because it's a, a hereditary thing where I got a fat neck. <laughs> I have like no, my, my chin sucks. <laughs> and 
That's why I have a beard. That's why I always have something uh, around my chin. Because otherwise, it's just, I'm just hideous. <laughs> hideous. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. I shaved my beard. It's disgusting. I tried to shave just so I had a mustache, and I looked horrible. I looked like I shouldn't be near parks or school zones, okay? Sorry, I'm just putting myself in that class. I just looked horrible and scary. So I get, I get made fun of if I, if I do that. Also, if I just shave my beard into a goatee, apparently last time I did that, boy, geez. It was, it was when I did that and a bunch of cyclists were mad at me for something I said on social media. And they attacked me, and apparently uh, the majority of them don't have goatees. And they're like, what is this, the 90s or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fuck, man, I didn't know, I didn't know goatees were out. But then I see some people, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't have a goatee. Some of you guys look great with a goatee. Uh, apparently, I don't anymore, so that's why I'm sticking with the beard. Hmm. Eventually, people are going to go, Oh, you can't wear, you can't have a beard that I'll fold under pressure and then I'll shave it into something else. I don't know. Listen, I fall to peer pressure very easily. But anyway, going back to ladies shaving their armpits and their legs and stuff, did you know the modern era of hair removal may have been encouraged by Charles Darwin's 1871 book, Descent of Man? Now, I'm reading from. Uh, some stuff via the Smithsonian and a few other websites that uh, through the popularization of his theories on natural selection, this is homo sapiens have less body hair than his or her uh, ascendants because less hairy mates were more sexually attractive. Body hair becomes a question of competitive selection by the early 1900s upper and middle class white women associated a smooth skin with a desirable femininity. In the 1920s, a new fashion for sleeveless tops and short dresses meant that the legs and armpits of American women were now visible in social situations. And advertisers seized the opportunity to encourage women to shave their legs and their armpits. Now, fashions of the 1940s, coupled with the World War II, uh, with World War II, meant that American women were more and more likely to shave their their legs. The wartime shortage of nylon meant women couldn't wear stockings every day, having to go bare legged. More women shaved their legs, and then with uh, kind of going back to the Darwin thing, is. Hugh Hefner in, in Playboy decided to go, you know, kind of play around with the idea of shaving the pubic area. And it just really kind of took off. But ultimately, it, it seems to really have taken off in the 20s due to sleeveless shirts and dresses. And it really kind of started off of fashion. And ultimately, the razor companies were only selling to one demographic. When they realized that women do the majority of the shopping, how can they boost sales? Well, you start selling the idea of, well, you can shave 
your armpits and your legs, and that's more sexually attractive to your mates. It's so fascinating. But then you then you realize it's like it doesn't fucking matter. That being said, I I don't I've never dated anyone that doesn't shave their armpits. I think it would be a, an adjustment. But ultimately, I wouldn't care until you're getting hot and heavy, then you get an armpit of hair in your mouth. <laughs> it's all fun and games till that happens. Then you're choking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies, do you do you think it's annoying that it basically society has told you you have to shave your legs. You have to shave your armpits. Otherwise, it's socially unacceptable. It was acceptable until, you know, about 100 years ago. And now it's just, it's moved away from that. And then it, it's essentially gotten out of control because, and it became more and more popular. And before you know it, it's just like, it, it's so popular that it's thought to be a necessity. But it, there is no... There's no necessity. It's all vanity. So, uh, listen, I, I, I'm not, I'm not like preaching the like, ladies go. You know, you don't need to shave. No shave November or whatever for ladies too. I think ultimately we'd all get used to it if ever, if all the ladies out there decided to not shave their legs or their armpits. I think ultimately we'd all just stop caring about it and be like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? You know who would be mad is the razor companies. It's a, it's a financially based thing. And it would be hard for, I would imagine, especially for the leg part, if for you ladies to go out there wearing a dress or shorts or whatever, and you got hairy legs just like, you know, a guy. It would be hard because people would be like, oh, my God, so judgy. We're a judgy fucking society doesn't matter where you're at we're judgy as fuck i i think ultimately we'd get used to it it's like uh people getting used to you see the strange looks that people get like if a if a lady has a shaved head or short hair uh especially if it's like buzz like people automatically just start looking and judging be like why is her head shaved does she have cancer is she sick or is she just weird and crazy it's like who fucking cares guys we have it so fucking easy i could shave my head i can let my hair grow long not a good idea if i shave or let my hair grow long because i got a giant bald spot in the back then i got that receding hairline in the front so i'd look really goofy if i grew out my hair but i could do it and it's a lot more accepting than if than if a woman shaves her head it's bizarre doesn't make any sense. I think women with shaved head are fucking hot. I'm I'm sorry. Maybe it's a little quirk of mine. I don't know. Maybe that's from looking at the National Geographics when I was a kid. A lot of those ladies in there, when I'm uh, you know, a horny little teenager, look and be like, oh my God, there's boobs in here. And then it's a, it's a lady from a tribe. And I'm like, oh my God, look at her. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a lady like doing miscellaneous things things around her tribe and i'm just like you know <laughs> rock hard hey anyway we all have our issues right <laughs> anyway ladies if you decide not to shave i'm cool with that i don't care 
I, I think it, it's it's a bizarre thing that we started. It's kind of I was trying to explain that to my son, and I and I should have looked this up, but it just popped in my head. I guess is pink used to be a socially accepted color for males to wear just as much as females to wear back in the day. And then I want to say it was like right around 1940 where it switched. And I can't recall the reason why it switched. It was just one of those things where advertisers were trying to uh, tackle multiple demographics. Instead of selling pink to just women and men, you could be like, we could just say that's a female color and, and male is a uh, masculine color, you know, type of thing. It's, it's, it's all about sales. All this shit is all about sales, how to make more money. When, and, and then we just fall into the trap. And I think as a society, we're getting a little bit more lenient on it's not that big of a deal if guys wear pink. Who gives a shit? I don't have a pink shirt. Maybe I need a pink shirt. Huh? Christmas is coming. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Then, then if somebody ever says something, guess what I'll do? I'll be like, hey, fuck you. I love pink. Okay? Dickhead. <laughs> I won't be allowed in that neighborhood again. Because they'll be like, that's the guy that yelled at us for complimenting him on his pink. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. I thought you said you were making fun of my, my pink shirt. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Anyway. We got more coming your way, but first, Sugar Fire in Westminster. I was there last night, and it's funny. Every time I go there, uh, Declan, Becca, all these people, they're like, okay, can I make you something today? And we're they, they're like competing against each other on who can make the best burger or whatever I order. And it's funny, and I am a winner no matter what. Because <laughs> last night, Declan made me this killer double burger he had those. Um, I can't. I can't even. I can't remember everything that he put on there, but it, it was so freaking good. Sorry, Becca. It was a little bit better than yours. A little bit. Okay. I would. I would probably cry if they put both next to each other and they said, "Pick a winner." Be like, I don't know this one or that one. They're all delicious. Everything you get at Sugar Fire in Westminster is amazing. Last night, they had 50-cent wings on Monday night. Oh, my God, they were amazing. And they had, these weren't like skimpy wings either. That's the one thing that, like, uh, there was a, um, a listener, Rob, that came in there with his, his girlfriend, and he ordered, like, 15 wings, right? He sits, he sits down, they bring over the wings, and he's like, whoa, <laughs> these are huge. He ate them all. My goodness, I have never seen a meteor set of wings in my life. That's Sugar Fire in Westminster, man. They go big. They go big on everything. As far as its quality, you're not getting cheaped out of anything. What you pay for, you get. It's awesome, and it's delicious. Everybody does the same thing. Oh, my God, this place is so good. So good. They got baby back ribs, beef brisket, pulled pork. Like I said, chicken wings, they're smoked. Oh, my God, they're so delicious. Uh, turkey, burgers, all that stuff. Prepared to perfection every single day. I stuttered a little bit. I'm like, P -p 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 perfection, right? A little dramatic there. You got to follow them on social media, at Sugar Fire Westy, 
They're always posting their daily specials, and they're all good. Whether it's burnt ends on Saturday, maybe the smoked wings on Sundays. Either way, it's amazing, and you got to follow them. Again, Sugarfire Westy on social media. Sugarfire in Westminster, by far my favorite barbecue place in the state of Colorado. It's family-friendly, perfect for date night. They even do catering, which is awesome. There's a lot of people that, like, you got a big meeting at the office, boom, call up Sugarfire. Be like, this is how many people. And they, 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 dude, they were catering to uh, the Mile High uh, Stadium parking lot for, for the pregame. I mean, how cool is that? And how cool do you look knowing that you got this amazing barbecue spread at your at your tailgate? Oh, it was awesome. So you got to check them out. Sugar Fire in Westminster, just off 144th and Orchard Parkway, just east of Huron, just west of I-25. I'm there every Monday night from 6 to 8 watching football, drinking cocktails, and hammering some barbecue. Again, follow them on social media at Sugar Fire Westie. Sugarfire in Westminster, reinventing barbecue every single day. I didn't know that the bananas that we have at the supermarket had a specific name. I guess I'm just oblivious to, to that. But the Cavendish banana is what we get at the majority of our grocery stores. It's basically half of bananas in the world that humans consume and they're under attack by a, a nasty fungal infection called Panama disease, tropical race four. There are over a thousand species of banana and 47% of all bananas consumed by people are these Cavendish strain. I've seen the other ones. I, I think, I don't know, <laughs> but According to scientists, they have about a decade before it's too late and that that strand of banana is just done. And what's crazy is they bred the Cavendish banana to resist disease so it would continue to feed the world, essentially. But now it's being attacked, ironically, by a nasty fungal disease. But scientists, like I said, have a, they said that they have about a decade before it's too late. Possible solutions. This, I didn't come up with these. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not a scientist. Uh, genetically modifying versions that are resistant to TR4. Fruit grafting. Transplanting tissues between plants to immune them with different characteristics, blah, blah, blah. So it could be disease resili resilient. But some scientists in Taiwan are experimenting with exposing Cavendish seedlings to TR4 to make them resistant like a banana vaccine. But who freaking knows? They could do that, and then next thing you know, you have something else. Or there, it's going to be a problem for the people that consume them. It's kind of scary when you start thinking about that, where they're going to start dicking around with these. And this is where conspiracy theorists have, you know, a heyday. You start fucking around with uh, the genetics, I guess, of a banana. And next thing you know, people start consuming them. And then years later, you're going to be like, why, do, why have people been growing, you know, a second penis? 
you know, all these years. Well, it started back when we started genetically fucking with bananas. Guess what? Now you got an extra banana. <laughs> so it, it's interesting. And it also makes you go, hey, kids, I know you don't want to eat the banana that has some slight brown on the peel, but fucking eat it because who knows? One of these days, you're not going to be able to get it. So quit being a little dick and eat your banana. I like eating bananas. Bananas are good. Although it has to be a certain ripeness. Otherwise, it's just gross. Like, if you ever ate a banana that just isn't ripe yet, and it's just there's, it's just not sweet or anything, and it's just essentially green, oh, that's gross. But then you don't want it to be too brown on the outside because then it's just like mush and just nastiness. So you got to get it just right. I ate a banana this morning just right. So happy. And I know you guys care. <laughs> there is a guy that I used to work with named, his nickname was Big Sexy. Competitive eater. I don't know if he still does it, but he might dabble in it now. But he's like, hey, want to see me eat a banana in less than like two seconds? I'm like, yeah. Usually you have to go down to Mexico for this, but okay. And then he proceeds to, I have it on video, so I probably lost it, but he peels the banana and just shoves it in his mouth, and then all of a sudden he opens his mouth, and it's, like, gone. Like, dude, that guy has such a, a, a future in porn, he just doesn't even realize it. Dude, if you could gobble cock like you gobble a banana, dude, you could make thousands of dollars. <laughs> If he ever heard that, he'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> Somebody's going to be like, hey, dude, uh, DeHuff gave you a shout out on his show. You should go listen to it. And he's going to tune in. He's like, oh, yeah, I couldn't do that. Wait, gobble cock. <laughs> well, I'd have to talk to my girlfriend about it, but who knows? Boy, work was hard today. Literally. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, we don't need to get into that. I'm sorry. Sorry. A Utah man was ordered to remove ha his Halloween decorations because it was featuring pole dancing skeletons. I think that's hilarious. Now, here's the thing, though. You start reading the article. Apparently, he had it in a position where it wasn't actually on his property at first. Must have been, you know, how you have that. Some houses have that little sliver of grass or whatever after your between your yard, a sidewalk, and then it's that. I'm guessing that's where he had it at first. But they they told him to remove it, and now people are still he moved it back onto his his property, but people are still pissed off. I think it's hilarious. It's not like you see any boobs or or any sort of genitalia on it. It's skeletons. And he has a pole in the middle. And he did a great job of setting it up. And there's individuals surrounding the pole looking up at it like they're people paying to see her strip. Maybe it's a dude. I don't know. Either way, it's, it's, it's not... Man, we just get offended by everything. I think it's hilarious. But then it also is one of those things where... If you have a, like a, say, a six-year-old, five, six-year-old, and you have to explain, well, what's that? I mean, you can just be like, oh, that's just somebody dancing. 
I don't think it's the end of the world to sit there and explain it. But it's it's age-appropriate explanations. You don't have to sit there and be like, well, uh, some, some people go to places called strip clubs, like Daddy. And he goes there and spends all his hard-earned money that could be going to saving for a vacation. Instead of that, he goes and pays for a vacation for a girl's name, Candy and Destiny and Diamond or whatever other cinnamon, <laughs> right? And they take off their clothes and daddy gives them money. I mean, you don't have to sit there and explain that. Well, why does he look at women naked? Because it makes his penis hard. I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to do that. It's an age-appropriate response. Well, some people go to businesses where people dance. And that's what that's showing. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it can be. You don't have to sit there and over-explain. Come on, man. Pull your head out of your butt, people. I get it. I get it. But when you stop and you think about it and you go, well... Maybe I don't need to over-explain it. That's something that we learned. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, not saying this at all. Uh, I've, sometimes I feel like when I talk about certain things with parenting, I am not the role model for, you know, and the poster child for being a good parent. I slip up all the time. I fuck up. I, you know, lose my temper over dumb shit. Okay? Don't always remember to do things that I should. I, right? Okay? We're, I, I am just like everybody else. But, <laughs> but, when we adopted my kids, you learn a lot about telling their adoption story. And, as they get older, you modify the story. When they're little, you give them, you know, a very generic story. As they get older and they ask more questions, you beef up the story. Till they get to the point when they're old enough and they want all the details, you fill them in as much as you can. And then you also give them resources to figure out the rest if needed. So it's kind of the same thing. You don't have to give, and you probably shouldn't, <laughs> right? You shouldn't be given too many details in this situation for the Utah guy. Did he do anything wrong? No, he didn't. There's not a bunch of like dicks and boobs and vaginas flapping around in the wind. No, they're bones. We all have skeletons, right? We're all a skeleton underneath all this flesh and meat. You can disagree with me all you want. But you're wrong. <laughs> right? Just remember, it's just age-appropriate explanations. That's it. Don't overthink it. I get it. I get why you would be upset. But then it's just like take a second and be like, well, how can I explain this? And just have fun with it. You don't overthink it. You know what we need to do right now. Let's jump into the mailbag. Mailbag. You've got mail. 
This one comes in from Dougie. Dougie, you better be in your early 20s because you can't be a Dougie if you're in your 30s or, or higher. Right? Am I wrong in that? Sorry, Dougie. <laughs> Sorry. I love you. Okay? Never met you. But I don't think. But maybe you just switch it to Doug. Just saying. Anyway, he says, favorite person you've ever worked with and why? I've answered this before, but I don't mind going through it. I'll, I'll tell you, being in multiple industries, when it comes to, mm, I guess, restaurant slash my favorite boss, it would, would have to be like my brother who uh, he and I worked together for a little bit at Jamba Juice. Like when I, I, a good funny story is like when I, I left Safeway, which was a union store and you had to take a break every two hours. I quit that job and I was like, let's go work at Jamba Juice. I can make a little bit more money at the time. And then, you know, it seems like a, a, a fun place to work because working at Safeway, working at the grocery stores, it can be depressing. There was a lot of people there that had been there their whole fucking lives, and all they did was complain about how unhappy they were. And it was a really a, a big downer for a, a lot of the time. Some of the people were happy to be there, but the majority weren't. So I wanted to get out of that environment. So I go and work at Jamba Juice. And I didn't go work for my brother's store, but he actually, due to circumstance, was actually filling in for the general manager at that store because he was a GM. And he, on my first day, he was there, and he kind of broke me in. And like I said, I came from a union store. So after two hours, I go to him. I'm like, Chris, I need to take a break. He's like, why? <laughs> I was like, well, I've been here two hours. And it's like in the middle of a, a, a rush, <laughs> like a lunch rush or something. And he goes, get back to fucking work. You'll get a break when I tell you you can. <laughs> Something like that. He's like, Jesus, man. So I like, you know, tail between my legs and I'm all pissed, like mumbling under my breath. This is bullshit, man. I need to call the Better Business Bureau or labor, <laughs> labor laws. There's something going on here. And then later he's, he's like, you can't do that here. He's like, this, we're not union. You take a break. You will get a break, okay? You'll get a break when we can give you a break. But you just got to tough it out. That was like day one. <laughs> so he didn't sugarcoat anything. That's why I respected working with him. Did a great job. And I really look up to the fact that he's crushing it over in Australia. It's a grind, especially with COVID happening. It, his restaurant is there. It's doing well. But it's still a struggle, and I see how hard he works at it and how passionate he is about it. So I, I, I enjoyed working with him, learned a lot about, you know, work ethic and just, you know, there was times where, and I tried to tell this to my, my son and daughter, is just one of the simplest things. I remember I was working at Quiznos, and, there, and he and I did work together. He was the GM. I was the assistant GM of a Quiznos in Boulder. And I remember, for some stupid reason, I was working with only my right hand. My left hand was just sitting there. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He's like, use two hands. It's quicker. I'm like, huh? I didn't even think about it. For whatever reason, 
I was old. I was, and I probably had been doing it for a, the longest fucking time. Then, I, you know, I started using two hands. I'm like, oh, that's so much easier. So much easier. Oh, look at this. I'm like lightning fast, even though I wasn't. <laughs> so I tell that to my kids. I was like, use two hands. Get in the habit. Use two hands. Whatever you're doing. If you're working, use two hands. Don't forget. Don't rely on just using one hand. It's a weird thing that apparently a lot of people do. Work with two hands. It makes you a lot quicker, a lot more efficient. So that was him. He, he, you know, does a great job. But when it comes to, say, radio, one of my favorite people to work with is Sandy Clough. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, Sandy, he's just like this old curmudgeon, whatever guy. He's, he's been in, in sports talk radio for like 40 years, something like that. He's very cerebral, very serious at times. But whenever he and I work together, say I was producing his show, but he'd always bring me on, I treated him like I treat everybody else. You know, not maturely, <laughs> not cerebral. And we would just fuck around. He'd ask me about, like, what do you think about the Broncos' defense and how they're attacking, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, Sandy, honestly, when you were just started talking about that, I blacked out. I have no idea what you just said. Right? <laughs> and I just, you know, that's what we did. And he would just burst into laughter. And then he would ask me a question. I would start to answer. Then he'd cut me off. And then I'd start to try to answer again. He'd cut me off. And then I'd just call him out for everything that everybody else says behind his back. We're like, dude, he always cuts people off. He never lets people finish their sentences. I'd just be like, Sandy, seriously, let me talk. My God. <laughs> and he would just burst into laughter. And then we'd do bits. And I would, I would, uh, there was one time where I was, I was being Johnny Carson and he was my Ed McMahon. So I'd be like, I did not know that. Hey, Sandy, did you know that? I did not know that. And he'd be like, hey, <laughs> it was hilarious. He, he gets the idea of how to play on radio. Now, ultimately, I would just leave him alone and let him do his thing. But whenever he would come to me, I would just present what I could present. No way I could sit there and try to go head-to-head -head with him on an intellectual playing field. Doesn't make sense. Why would I even try? In, in the sense of, like, I, I, I know my limitations. Why would I do that? I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. That's Being smart is my weakness. Being silly and, and goofy, that's my strength. There we go. Right? So that's what I would do. I'm not going to try to bullshit anybody on that. Why would I? <laughs> Why would I? That's more embarrassing than anything. So let's be silly. I'm good at that. <laughs> so, yeah, Sandy Clough was, it, it, and, and I want to get him on the show so people can kind of see a different side of him because he's a great dude. Been through a lot in his life. But, an amazing person that I and I am very proud to call a friend. He's 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 a great person, super smart, and you know I, I love the guy. He he's, he's I enjoyed all my moments with him. Although there was one time he yelled at me, and if I get him on, I'll I'll bring that up. <laughs> this comes in from DMac Darren McKee, who was a guest on the show 
not too long ago because I, re- I, I tweeted out, I was like, give me something random to talk about. This is what he wrote. Hiro Dreams of Sushi, a 2011 movie. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if I'm saying Hiro right. It's J-I-R-O. So I looked it up. Never heard of it. Now I want to watch this movie. So I'm going to say Hiro, and I apologize to anybody that speaks this language, but in, in, you know, in Japan, if you speak Japanese, correct me if I'm wrong. And, I, and again, I apologize. But apparently, he's a revered sushi chef, Hiro Ono, strives for perfection in his work, while his eldest son, Yoshi Kiyazu, has trouble, I, I totally butchered that, <laughs> has trouble living up to his father's legacy. That's what the, the synopsis is of the movie. He's considered the best sushi chef in the world. Right now, he's about... He's in his 90s, and last looked up, he's still making sushi. But he's considered to be one of the best, if not the best, in the world at making sushi. Japan considers him a national treasure. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, Nick Cage knows. <laughs> I just wanted to play that soundbite. You're welcome. Now, he was, for the longest time, a three-star Michelin. He had three Michelin stars. But recently, he lost those because he no longer is accepting reservations from the general public. A man was quoted saying this in regards to him and his son. His son will have to be twice as good as him in order to be his equal. Boy, that would suck to be that guy's son. But... What's crazy is, so I I Googled this, and I'm watching the trailer, and I I love sushi. Sushi is my jam. I love sushi. I could eat sushi every single day. It is a beautiful piece of art that you're consuming. It's just so good, so good. And I'm watching this and how he treats everything. It is like a piece of art that he hands to each and every customer. It is so cool. I love it. I love sushi. And I, it reminds me of that one time when I was working at the radio station and we had a deal with Benny Hanna. And Benny Hanna was trying to promote the fact that, hey, guys, not only do we have hibachi, but we also have sushi. And they brought in, I want to say, two or three party trays of sushi. And me and my coworker, buddy, uh, Jake McDonald, we were the only ones on staff that liked sushi. It was so bizarre. We're like, okay. And he and I did our best to eat as much of those as we could. I don't think we even finished one tray because it was just, we overstuffed ourselves. And what's what's sad is usually you can't get full on sushi. Like I eat, the joke is, you eat sushi, you get full, and then 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, God, I'm hungry, <laughs> right? We were stuffed. <laughs> we couldn't eat anymore to the point where it was just like, oh, my God, I don't know. Did we, did we ruin sushi for ourselves? It was good. And to watch somebody, I am I, going to watch this movie that DMAX suggested, even though it is kind of like, I mean, it's random. 
but I love the delicate artistry of making sushi, just as, as in food in general, but especially sushi. When you're when you're preparing a fish, whatever it is, I mean, it, it's just so cool, so cool. I'm a nerd about that stuff. I love watching it. I can't duplicate it, but I love to watch it. It's really neat. So. DMAC, thanks for chiming into the show. Uh, you're going to make it one of these days, kid. <laughs> he's way older than me. Way older than me. Okay. And he's doing great. I want to say he was in maybe the top 15 in the United States for, might have been Spotify for um, sports podcasts. So he's fucking crushing it, doing his thing. Just hold on to it, man. You got to, you know, keep it going. Like, I'll fluctuate. And, like, uh, not too long ago, I was in, I was I was 18th in the United States on Apple for uh, entertainment news show, podcast. So that was cool. But I usually hang out in the top 100, top 200, just depends what's going on. But it's 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 cool. It's fun. I I love that. But the but the problem is though with podcasts is everybody and their brother wants to do a podcast, and they're fucking up the market. And everybody does it. They think it's oh this is fine. Let's do a podcast. Okay, I'm an influencer. People want to hear me. Then you realize you tune into them and they suck. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of people. It's just like, and it, and it takes work. You will never be a Joe Rogan. Everybody wants to be Joe Rogan as far as success goes. It's not easy. You got to grind. And most of us can't afford to have a full staff. My wife, is. she gets irritated. She's like, oh, my God. She's like, I see these influencers. They They buy all this equipment. They buy all this, you know, whether it's, radio equipment slash you know lights sound state they're they're renting out a special spot or they're, they're doing all this shit and they got multiple staff members that they have to pay she's like they're ten thousand dollars in before they even do a fucking episode she doesn't cuss that much <laughs> that's what i tell people but it, it is it's just like it, it's hard there's I've told you before, it's like I'm I'm doing my sales, I do promotions, I do the show, and you know, I do production. It's <clears throat> it's a lot. And not everybody can afford to have a full staff. And to be honest, if you're gonna do a, a show like this, you probably shouldn't have a staff because it's just wasting your money. And and some of these people will do well. They will. But we'll see how long they can hold on. Because it's a lot. It's a lot of work. You got to bust your butt. Always be grinding. Oh, always be promoting. Always be grinding. A, B, G. Okay? Always be grinding. It's not easy. Just like whatever you choose to do in life, just always be grinding, man. Always assume there's somebody at your at your heels trying to knock you off the off the road. So 
Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. I truly do uh, appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, promote it if you can for me. <laughs> Set up a GoFundMe, right? Because I don't think Elon Musk is going to come in and swoop in and accept my offer. I could be Dickopedia de Huff. <laughs> and come on, that'd be great. I could be Tesla de Huff, Elon, okay? Or I could be X de Huff. That would be weird. That'd be cool. It'd be like a superhero. It'd be fucking amazing. Either one's on the table. Five million bucks, uh, uh, Elon. If you don't respond to my offer, it goes up to 10. <laughs> I'm not very good at bargaining, but that's my, my first offer is $5 million. Okay. All right. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Have an amazing day. Hopefully you laughed a little bit in this episode. Uh, make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. Big thanks to Sugar Fire in Westminster. Amazing barbecue. You got to go check them out on 144th and Orchard Parkway in Westminster. Just, just great. Just great place. Also, big thanks to Superbook Sports Colorado. It's to Huff Uncensored. Let's keep moving forward. I'll talk to you next time.